Welcome to All Bodies on Bikes, the podcast, where all bodies are good bodies, all bikes are good bikes, and all rides should be celebrated. All Bodies on Bikes is a movement to create and foster a size-inclusive bike community. So join your hosts. I'm Maggie. And I'm Marley. As we explore the complexities of the biking world, help us break down barriers and create the world that we want to see. And don't forget that all bodies really means all bodies, not just larger bodies, but bodies of all sizes, ages, races, abilities, genders, sexualities, and beyond. Come along for the ride. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the All Bodies on Bikes podcast, where all bodies are good bodies, all bikes are good bikes, and all rides should be celebrated. Uh, we are going to do our best to celebrate today, even though we are a, a lady rider down. Uh, Marley's a little under the weather today, so she is taking care of herself, which we really support and are, are happy that she's doing that. Um, but we've got a great conversation today, and we're going to dive right into that so that you can just come along for the ride. Um, we have got Caroline Whelan with us today. Caroline is with Adventure Cycling. Um, she grew up in eastern Massachusetts, where her love of riding, her training wheels down to the harbor to watch the fishing boats, grew into a passion for exploring the city's furthest neighborhoods on two wheels. She moved to New Mexico as a teenager, where she got a wild hare to ride her bike down the west coast with nothing but a picnic blanket, and she's been hooked on bike touring ever since. In the meantime, she's earned a BA and she's oh, and an MFA in writing, wrenched in bike shops around the US, hiked and biked around the Americas and Europe, and worked as a writer and editor at a number of publications, including Dirt Rag magazine. She started at Adventure Cycling in 2021, uniting her passions for publishing, bike-powered travel, and community building into the ultimate role as editor-in-chief at Adventure Cyclist. When she isn't riding or riding, Caroline can typically be found hiking or kayaking with her very good girl, Bruce. Hi, Caroline. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Maggie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you today. Absolutely. I'm just, I'm going to ask a random question just to immediately start. Very good girl, Bruce. What kind of very good girl? Oh, uh, she is a, uh, technically a dog. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> uh, She's a four-year-old uh, adoptee, and she is, uh, according to her DNA test, a mixture between a Great Pyrenees Chow Chow and Golden Retriever, but there's a breed whose name I can't currently think of that is native to New Hampshire that somebody okay. created to be like a smaller sled dog. And I met one of those dogs on a hike in New Mexico earlier this year. And um, that dog's people told me the breed and were like, I think this is what your dog actually is, but there's not enough of them to show up on most DNA tests. Interesting. Okay. All right. Yeah. Bikes and dogs. Those are my two, two favorite subjects. Chinook. That's what it was. A Chinook. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, we've covered dogs. So let's jump right into bikes. How did you get started cycling? We've yeah. talked about it a little bit, but let's hear the whole story. Uh, well, I, uh, as you said, just started riding uh, as soon as I could move. I remember having a um, Smurf branded big wheel. And yes. I have a very funny photo of myself at my 
fifth birthday where I was uh, given a, a bike, like the prized possession for a young kid. And I was such a brat because I'm not a very social person and was like, I want to ride my bike. Why do I have to still hang out with these people? <laughs> and so I'm just sitting backwards on the bike, like pouting the saddest yes. five-year-old pout you can imagine. And from there on, that's been pretty much the thing of uh, just wanting to ride my bike all the time. I didn't get a license when I was in high school and just yeah. used public transportation or rollerbladed or skateboarded or rode my bike. And uh, that kind of was my mode of transportation my entire life up until now. Yeah, that's so fantastic. Uh, well, how do you get from just kind of biking around town to biking the entire West Coast? <laughs> That, I think, has a lot to do with audacity and, um, like and ignorance. And audacity and ignorance usually uh, benefits a typical demographic. And I wedged myself in there and uh, decided that I wanted to do that as well. And wow. had known conceptually that riding your bike for long distances was a thing, but I didn't really know anybody who did it. Yeah. But I had been hanging out a lot at the local bike shop uh, and the head mechanic there was a woman named Laura and I had been laid off from my job at the health food store and was hanging out there more often and she was like if you're going to be like hanging out here do you want to at least like learn how to do this the right way and get paid for it and so she took me on as a bike builder and they really took me under their wing uh, very strongly that whole bike shop and when I started talking about wanting to go on an adventure, then they gave me like uh, an old frame that one of them had, which was a Bianchi Avenue, just like a really old, heavy steel hybrid frame. And then old parts that customers were throwing away, I would salvage and put on the bike and uh, just kind of build up from any scrap parts that I found. Yeah. and bought like one pair of chamois shorts and um some bike shoes and have some some panniers that I still have today they're still my go-to panniers and didn't really know what to put in them so I didn't put much of anything at all and figured that I would just fill them with like food and stuff that I needed as I went along yeah. uh and and that was really it that I just was like I've never been to the west coast and I would really like to go there my only way of association with the world is by bicycle so I might as well ride my bike might as well ride my bike I feel like that gets a lot of us in in exciting experiences after the fact but in the moment we're like oh I should have thought about this at least seven more seconds before I did it <laughs> yeah somebody <laughs> should have stopped me I'm glad yeah. they didn't but somebody really should have yeah somebody should have just been I my first bike packing trip I when we got done, I looked at the girl that I rode with and I was like, what made me think I could do this? I'm really glad I didn't think that until right now, but what made me think I could do this? <laughs> How did it feel once you were done with it? And you're like, I didn't know that I shouldn't have been able to not do this. And I'm glad that I was able to do this thing that I didn't think I should not have been able to do. Yeah, it was, it was so liberating. Like I wish my immediate response was, I wish I could figure out a way to stop other people from thinking about it. Cause I know there are people oh, that goodness. do think about it way too much and just never end up doing the thing. And I'm like, you can yeah. do it if you just get out of your own way. How do we stop that for you? <laughs> a lot of my editor letters are 
uh, in some way or another trying to really nail in that point that you there's a lot of marketing around having the right stuff and being completely prepared and doing the right training plan, downloading the right apps, buying the right stuff, being members of certain clubs. And some of that stuff can make your trip nicer depending on what it is and depending on what you need, but none of it is needed. Um, And, you know, you want to be in a good enough shape, whatever that means to you, whether that means like getting your body used to stretching, getting your body used to being moving or outside in the sun or whatever it is that like, if you notice that there is a weak spot in your physical endurance, so like try to build that up so that you don't end up in a danger zone. But other than that, there's not a whole lot that you need. My One of the people that gave me a lot of advice when I was on my first trip was to pack nothing and uh, to bring nothing and pack your panniers full of money. And I was making 725. And so the concept of like, like packing them full of money doesn't mean having thousands of dollars. It just means having a plan like A2, not even necessarily plan B, but like, do you have some kind of exit where you have enough money to buy a burrito and a cup of coffee where you can hang out until you can like figure out the next steps or can you wash dishes and make some money until you can get like a bus ticket can you like you know there's it's a lot more broad and a lot more open-ended than people maybe want to have you believe and i think a lot of that comes from like projected fear and also marketing yeah yeah that's a good that's a good point um yeah I think we're also get pretty, pretty caught up on like destination things. And I'm starting to to really pay attention and just like, go, I actually watched uh, a video on adventure cycling, uh, YouTube earlier, um, about a bike trip in Atlanta. I was like, they just biked from Atlanta out the camp and they biked back into Atlanta. I'm like, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's absolutely. still adventure cycling. I'm still like bike packing. Let's go do the thing. <laughs> adventure and epic are both like by nature relative terms Mm. and like my mom came out to visit me in Montana for my birthday last May and she hadn't flown on a plane by herself in 50 years so just coming to visit me was an adventure and just going on a trip and it was a huge adventure uh, we, I tried to get her on a bike, but she's very short and didn't okay. want to like, like that was like too much of an epic adventure to add to riding a bike in, but okay. it was still really amazing to see her pushing herself out of her comfort zone. And so yeah. for somebody who hasn't been on a trip across the country or has never been to Atlanta, then going on a trip that starts in Atlanta, leaves Atlanta and comes back is pretty epic and is definitely an adventure. Absolutely. So we're using the word adventure a lot. We're talking to you today because you're with Adventure Cycling. Tell us a little bit about that group. Sure. Well, we are a national nonprofit uh, that is dedicated to, see if I can remember all the buzzwords, um, (laughs) empowering and connecting people to travel by bicycle. I think there's another one in there. But at our core, we are 
a small group of people that are really dedicated to um, getting people outside, moving, pushing past those comfort zones in whatever way makes sense for them. Yeah. And now is this, this is not a new organization. No, nope. uh, we were founded in uh, the kind of founded in 1974, but really uh, became a thing in 1976. Yeah. All right. So y'all been adventuring for a while. I like it. For a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, a lot of the roots that are now pretty iconic where we don't like to make a big thing about it, but um a lot of like the most iconic routes were actually created by Adventure Cycling. Um, the Trans Am was like the first route that kind of like created the organization. Uh, and that was, you know, ours, the Great Divide Mountain Bike Route is ours. Um, there's there's like a, a bunch that I think are really cool that every time it comes up in the news of somebody doing it, we're like, oh, like my friends did that. That's awesome. <laughs> I think that's the other thing about this, the the idea of the audacity is, is it's really easy to sit back and look and be like, that's a really cool thing. Somebody had to do it first. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Might as well be, might as well be you, listener. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so lots of roots. I know that y'all do. You also have a magazine. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the magazine and if there's anything new and exciting going on with it. There is a little bit of buzz going on at the moment. Uh, We just worked our buns off uh, to put out a complete redesign of the magazine that we are beyond proud of, thrilled about, excited to have out in the world. Um, We're still learning things that we would like to do better going forward. There are just three of us at the um, like at our core team, plus a bunch of freelancers, but uh, there's myself, Dan Meyer, who's our managing editor, and Allie Mabry, who's our creative director at the magazine. And we uh, went to from nine issues to six issues, from roughly 60 pages up to 76 pages per issue. Okay. Uh, we brought in columns so that we had some like real core elements of a magazine that can keep people grounded. And... Uh, a larger feature as well so that the stories have some space to breathe and be the really like long form editorials. Yeah. And how has that process been? Have y'all, have y'all, is that something you can enjoy? (laughs) Uh, I would say similar to those uh, bike trips that we were talking about earlier um, where it's like, you know, like this, it, you know, maybe not even like level two fun, but level like, (laughs) three so there's some four in there too yeah. um but it was definitely like a level two level three fun thing where it was like uh like uh these these people are lucky i'm such a sucker it <laughs> <laughs> um, just like really love this stuff but uh it it was a lot of work we wouldn't be able to redesign a magazine every uh at this capacity every issue we redesigned the features ali uh, is a really phenomenal designer and she yeah. does a new design for every feature that comes out and there's no real like structured process for that. But we really came up with a whole new language for the magazine and a way of readers interacting with it. And this yeah. is the first time that Adventure Cyclist has ever 
uh, been redesigned in-house and it's the first design redesign mm -hmm. that's happened in 10 years. So it was a really, really big and necessary and overdue undertaking for us. But we now know the reason behind every decision in this redesign. We know why every mm -hmm. feature is there and there's nothing that feels superfluous. Um, everything really comes from the heart. There's, um, we use a lot of mapping elements and all of the uh, features are either created by Ali or were taken from our maps that Adventure Cycling had made, which okay. is like, you know, you know, near and dear to our hearts in many yeah, ways. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, like as, as you're redesigning a magazine, what were some of the things that were most important to, were there any specific things you were trying to move away from in, in older issues or any new things you were very determined to get added into moving forward? I don't know if there's anything that we wanted to move away from other than a design that just no longer served us in general. Yeah. Uh, it was an old design that was made by a design firm and it it just felt old, dated, not really uh, designed in the language that we were trying to speak. And so it, it, there's small things uh, with like, especially younger audience that like the type of font you use really communicates a whole lot of yeah. who you are and who your audience is. And um, the type of uh, like colorization that's on spreads is it, they're subtle, but they are meaningful. And this was a really incredible learning experience for me as a not very visual person working with Allie. As she asked these really uh, tough questions where I had to think really existentially about the magazine and about the design and what we wanted to do. So one of the big things for me was making columns for the magazine because I wanted there to be a space where there was always uh, certain voices at the table on some level. And so yeah. uh, we have, and and that goes for the, the writers as well as the stories that they're telling. So we have um, somebody who is a, um, a single mom, a um, naval officer and a uh, black immigrant woman who's writing a column. We have a, a uh, chef who focuses on uh, food that can be bought at um, gas stations and local grocers. Nice. We have a serialized story of uh, a somebody, a, a woman who is traveling around the world, which is a story that is, you know, has been told over and over, but even though uh, all genders have been doing that. It's typically a very specific type of person who has that. Um, and there's just, you know, uh, there's a, uh, a Paralympian um, amputee who has a health column on there. Um, just trying to make sure that there's, regardless of what the editorial um, features well is, that a large breadth of people will be able to open up the magazine and see somebody that they can relate to that reminds them that adventure cycling and adventure cyclist is a place where we see them as an adventure cyclist. Yeah. 
We love that here on this podcast very much. (laughs) Making sure that everybody can pick up anything bike related and see somebody that looks like them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Just have that reminder that this is, you're welcome here. We want you on bikes and that's really all of our requirements. Yeah. And it's, if you don't have one, we'll get you one. Just complain. Do you enjoy it? (laughs) Yep, exactly. Uh, So for people who want to learn a little more, about being an adventure cyclist uh, and going out and doing some of these epic routes and camping with their bicycle. Where are all the the ways to get involved with adventure cycling and learn more about the magazine and just all the things y'all got going on? Well, you can go right to our website, which is adventurecycling.org. Very easy um, name. (laughs) And that has information on... um, there are things that are exclusive to members. We are a member-based nonprofit organization, and right. that includes um, a magazine. Our memberships start at $45 for students and seniors, and, excuse me, goes, uh, I think a, a typical membership for somebody who's not in that demographic is $50. Okay. And we also offer, like, discounted rates as as people reach out. And so, um, you know, we we want to work with people to become part of our organization rather than push people away. Yeah. And uh, we have an Instagram account, um, Adventure Cycling. Uh, we're on Facebook. So all the, the typical platforms, but our main website, adventurecycling.org, is a great place to start. Yeah. As you keep moving in a direction of making sure that that all all voices are are heard and represented in, in your group. Um, do y'all, do y'all do like, how do you pick who, who, uh, submits things for your, for your magazine? How do you go about getting articles and stuff? That is, uh, I feel like brought is maybe a strong word, but, uh, because our editorial team is so small, it's just me and Dan, then, we have yeah. a submittable page, and so on our website, uh, there's a a link that I believe might be on the bottom that says like submit to Adventure Cyclist, and that gives you all the information about how to submit to the magazine, and uh, that you know gives our our pay scale and um, all of that information that I think is important to be upfront with people from the start, mm-hmm. and then you click on submittable. And uh, it sits in there for an embarrassing to me amount of time. And then I eventually get a chance uh, when I'm not redesigning a magazine while also producing a magazine (laughs) to uh, go through and read them and uh, choose which ones um, get, you know, are a good match. Uh, I also get emails from time to time. Um, you can just email me at editor at adventurecycling.org. Uh, it's a good place to reach out. And uh, we do have issue themes that we're trying to hold to. Okay. And so sometimes when an issue doesn't, or when, when a submission doesn't get accepted, it's not because it wasn't a strong pitch, it's just because we don't have a place for it. And maybe they're, um, uh, that's also sometimes why things will sit in the hopper for a long time because I know it's a good pitch and I don't want to lose it but I also don't have enough similar stories to um, like create a new issue for the following volume or something like yeah. that 
Um, but that's typically how it is, either submittable or uh, through through my email, an editor at adventurecycling.org. Sometimes people reach out to me on Instagram also, which is a good place to say hello, but not a good place to yes. uh, actually pitch just because, uh, well, one, I deleted my Instagram. Um, Congratulations. For, <laughs> thank you. It just yeah. happened yesterday and I feel like very unreasonably proud of myself for making it a whole 18 hours. Yeah. But uh, it, you know, email or submittable is really the best. Yeah. I like, I like that you deleted your Instagram. I support that. More people Thank should you. do that. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for people that are listening and thinking that sounds really, really cool, but I could never do that. What would, what would your advice be to those people? Uh, you don't know that you can't do it. <laughs> and yeah, the, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning who was going through um, uh, an interpersonal quandary. And I asked her what what the worst case uh, scenario might be if this if the situation that she created in her head that was um, not based on fact but based on her imagination, if we were to accept it as fact and then think about worst case scenario, then like, okay, so that's the worst. How bad is that really? And then let's like move backwards from there to fill in the gaps of reasonability and stop gaps to prevent these things from happening or to, uh, to adjust the situation to a way that aligns more with reasonability and comfort level and, uh, you know, make it more, emotionally sound because that it was like an emotional response to an outside thing that she didn't really have control over and i think that a lot of bike trips are very similar where it's not a matter of knowing that you cannot do something in some instances maybe it is but uh there's also a lot of not knowing and being afraid of being in a situation and not knowing and so if you're town has a uh like a bike building program in missoula we have uh free cycles and um you know there's like different organizations like that there's bikes not bombs in boston there's a lot of different ones so uh if you're worried about not knowing the mechanics and having a problem on the trail or the road send them for a mechanics class and that way you'll know how to change your tire if you get a flat um, if your chain breaks, you'll know how to fix that. Um, if you're worried about having the stamina and fitness, go for a long ride in your safety zone where you know if you start to feel hurt, there'll either be somebody available to pick you up, there'll be a bus that you can hop on, or you won't be that far from your home. And feel what your physical limit feels like and push that a little bit in a place that's still safe. And you can see how, how much stronger you actually are. Yeah. And if you don't know how to make some food, practice going into your yard or a city park and making some food in an outside space and get used to that feeling of not having a kitchen available. And there's all ways that our brain tells us to not leave our safety zone because it doesn't want us to die. But most things on a bike tour are not going to kill us. And anything that might is out of our control regardless. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I like that. Like, I think perspective shifts are so important when, when doing something like this, because it would be so easy to get into a mindset of where am I going to get food as opposed to, I'm going to be able to cook on the side of a mountain. Yeah. (laughs) And like, it sounds scary when you frame it the first way, but when you're actually doing it the second way, it's so fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And same thing with water. Water is always a big fear of mine. I get thirsty. All the time. Yeah. I'm like one of those like minimum three beverages on my desk kind of peer person. Yes. But uh, I worry about running out of water. But using that same logic, reframing that to say, my goodness, I'm going to get to drink fresh filtered stream water from a waterfall in five hours if I leave on time is like like wow what what an opportunity yep it's gonna just be the worst for anybody that asked me what I did this weekend (laughs) because nobody's (laughs) story is going to be as cool as mine (laughs) yep yep (laughs) well do you have like a favorite from all of the all the all the riding. Do you have a favorite memory? Do you have a standout uh, instance? I would say that um, because of how my brain works, uh, I a lot of my memories are uh, noted as favorite memories because I make a point to in the moment say this is the best time I've ever had on a bike. Uh, which I apparently say a lot because I was thinking of like one particular thing and then my partner was like like oh yeah I remember your favorite time on a bike it was that time which was not the time that I was thinking of and then that brought up a few other times Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that my favorite time was actually on an adventure cycling uh, group-led tour in Alaska and it was our last day riding and it we were coming from British Columbia, or, or th- we're coming from the Yukon back into British Columbia, back into Alaska. And we saw the landscape change so many times and trees that were growing maybe like up eight inches and then sideways because of the cold winds. Oh, we yeah. saw uh, mountain goats and sheep and we saw uh, some of the most bright and vibrant flowers I've ever seen, these like bright, bright um, purples and blues and yellows, and these mountains filled with glacial ponds and bald eagles flying like New York pigeons all over the place. (laughs) And the, the climb was this like, kind of gravelly chip seal uh, that was kind of grueling enough to really like feel like you're riding your bike on an adventure, but not so steep that it was painful or hard or that any of us ever had that moment of like, this isn't fun. I don't want to be doing it. It was just hard enough for us to all take our time and go slow and appreciate where we were. And then a 30 mile descent or something crazy like that. Uh, 10 of which was at an exceptional pitch that if we didn't have such strong headwinds, we would have been going like blown through our brakes. Uh, Just go like curving through a mountain, seeing these old mine shafts and things like that. Um, It was just like 
uh, I was on this hiking trip. Uh, I also like uh, backpacking and I would do this trip of riding, walking women and we're all riders and go bike backpacking. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of them is not an outdoors person or really like a physically, um, person who likes to physically challenge herself, but does these incredible trips. And one time we asked her, like, if you don't like this stuff, why are you here? Yeah. And she was like, well, I like getting, there are things in life that I want to see that I can't see unless I put myself there. And the mm -hmm. only way to put myself there is to put myself there. And I think about that with so many things, especially like the hardest moments of a bike tour that like, if I want, if I want to be here, then I have to go there. And it's, it's almost always worth it to go there. And that day after so much riding was just like, this is it. The world makes sense. I love yeah. it so much. Yeah. yeah. And it is, I would say there have been very, very few rides that I started out on that I didn't want to do where by the time I got back, I still wish I hadn't gone. Yeah. yeah. That's just, once you get out there and get moving, it's really hard to stay in that mindset. Uh, I know that this is an interview with me, but do you mind if I ask you what your favorite day on a bike? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. She's thinking. I have to, like, currently, mine changes a little bit from time to time. Currently, mm -hmm. I just went and tried a new gravel trail near me, the New River Trail in Virginia. Uh -huh. um, and I had not biked in a hot minute just because I've had some different things going on with my person. Um, and so I started out way harder than I should have. Cause I just, I felt good. I felt good and I knew it was gravel and gravel is my favorite, but I had not done all that much research on it. And I was out there by myself, uh, had like the bone conduction headphones that I'm obsessed with because I can listen to the music, but I can still hear the birds and the twigs snapping and be like, what was that? Um, <laughs> there's a river that runs all along. I was about 10 miles in, I think. And I just hadn't paid attention but this it's an old rail trail so first of all lots of bridges over water and all of them are just the like original train trestles that they've just made into like flat bridges wow. which is fantastic and then come around yeah. a corner and there's just a tunnel in the side of the mountain and I just I wasn't ready I had not paid attention to that part of it and it was just it was nice and cool outside it was the best day it was such a good yeah. day yeah oh that sounds magical it was and, exactly. And Virginia is so so pretty. Automatic, like you know, it's just a very yeah, pretty state. It is. And then coming across those unexpected joys, just like somebody yeah. put a tunnel here in a mountain for me. Yes. Yeah. Thank exactly. <laughs> I got home. I I took my GoPro and I got home and was looking through footage. I passed a waterfall and completely missed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like on one of the bridges, and I just kind of threw my camera over my shoulder, and I was watching it later, and I was like, I passed a waterfall today. What the heck? <laughs> oh my gosh well caroline we like to end with two specific questions with everybody every time and the first one is if you could like design the perfect day on your bicycle what would that look like oh i uh i saw this in the questions and i uh, was like um that's a tough one um <laughs> both of these are very tough questions actually but i feel like all right, I, uh, it's a long summer day, one of the ones that just has like so many hours. Mm -hmm. And I wake up late because the sun gets warm and the birds are 
or loud and maybe I woke up around six and went back to sleep and so it's that nice like yes. refreshed woken up yeah. um and I'm sleeping in a hammock and okay. yes. uh good girl Bruce is on her little sleeping bag uh on the floor and uh wake up make some coffee and uh make some pancakes and they don't stick to the frying pan, which they always do when I'm camping. And this time sure. it's perfect day. They just don't, don't stick. It's yes. amazing. And I'm not having oatmeal <laughs> and uh, I pack up super easily because it was a clear night and I didn't need to pack a or unpack a tent. It was just the hammock and yeah. uh, keep rolling out. And uh, we are going, going, going. There's a creek nearby and um bruce and i stop jump in the water jump okay. back in um she's running behind me not getting tired doesn't have to go in her dog trailer and it's just a uh lone dirt road along a mountain um and there's uh big patches of shade from the um cottonwoods and the junipers but enough sun that I can just like feel the vitamin D soak it yes. into me mm-hmm. and uh and then I I see a group up ahead and I'm like what could that be and it is a I couldn't decide which would be better so it's it's a blend of okay. um it's vegan French bakers and their Girl Scout children yes <laughs> Yes. And they, they, just, they have too much. They don't they know just, what to do. Too many they, things. Too many things. And they're like, we can't possibly fail of this. Is there any way that you can take some of these vegan croissants and thin mints with you? And I'm like, that's good for me. But what about Bruce? And they're like, well, we actually have these Vienna sausages wrapped in crescent rolls. Of course. Um, if you would like some. And we have them in a little paper bag for you. And um, so we're like we will help you out with this big feet and (laughs) we help everyone on the trail yeah yeah that's that's why we're here just to help (laughs) and so we keep on riding and we we stop eventually for for lunch and to eat some of these great snacks and uh run into some friends who happen to just be camping nearby and so we all ride our bikes together for a while, catch up. I haven't seen them in a long time. They're all doing great. Everybody's Perfect. life is really wonderful. There's no interpersonal problems. Everybody yeah. just got promoted at jobs that are really fulfilling. And they all have health insurance that's totally paid, but they don't need it right now. And we keep on riding. The sun starts to set. Eventually, we come across the waterfall. We dip our heads in to cool our necks. And we get to our campsite. And it's one of those campsites that has... Uh, free like bike stands and platforms for your tents and everything and my friends don't have anything to do because they have a four-day work week and so they have an extra day off to just go camping and they didn't expect it but here we are and I had a tent and a hammock so they sleep in the tent I'm in the hammock we build a fire using the paper bags that are full of grease from the Vienna sausage crescent rolls and we fall asleep to the sounds of French playing guitar Listen, first of all, sign me up. That sounds great. Yeah. Please Second come. of all, please come. I hope that everybody is taking into account that we have the opportunity to be involved 
with a magazine that has been approached with that level of detail that you just heard in that story. <laughs> because, oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> that was fantastic. I love that so much. I'm glad oh. I knew that it would come to me once I started to talk. And I'm sorry that that took so long. I am not upset about it in about any way. <laughs> yes, that's the perfect day. There's, I'm not sure anyone can fight you on that, actually. Yeah. You may have your own version, but you have to say also now that that would be your other perfect day. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right, so that's the perfect day. If you, What do you wish more people would ask you about? What's something that you're passionate about or into that you wish you got to talk about a little more? Yeah, um... This was another one where like my like gut reaction was like, I wish people asked me less things. I answer so many questions. But <laughs> That's also a fair answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I love talking about publishing and yeah. making a magazine. And so I would love just to talk more about that with anybody who likes to nerd out about um, magazine publishing and long form stories and things like that. Uh, I would like more people to ask me about the themes of the issue and yeah. um, what kind of stories we're looking for and how they can get involved. Uh, I would love people to ask if we have any opportunities or need for volunteer editors. Um, that would also be really nice. And uh, nobody ever asked me about my granola recipe. And I really wish people would ask me about that because I think that it's really good and uh, people are missing out. It is going to be in the next issue, though, because I'm selfish and I'm the editor. So I think that uh, is it selfish or is it intelligent? I will. We can argue that. <laughs> it's generous. I'll say. OK, <laughs> OK, there we go. I like that. That's a good spin yeah. it. You just got to keep spinning it. Yep. Yep. Uh, I did think of one other thing. Does adventure cycling, do y'all do any types of like events throughout the year? That is a good question. We, we used to put on um, a number of short trip events. Um, bike overnights was like a big program that we were heralding for a bit. Yeah. Um, bike your park weekend, things like that. We just had a like reassessment of our North Star and figuring out where to best allocate our resources. Yeah, um, sure. And to be honest, I'm not sure which programs were put on hold for now. Um, and so I know that we do have a number of adventure cycling ambassadors still. Uh, yeah. And so I would recommend going to our website, looking at our short trips and um, our get involved tabs and seeing if there's an ambassador in your area. Okay. I believe that we're not currently accepting new ambassadors, unfortunately, um, just what, until we figure out how to best um, utilize our ambassadors and yeah. not overwork them. Um, but there are still ambassadors out there who are putting on events in their communities. Uh, and all of us we are mainly located in Missoula, Montana, but we do have remote workers as well. And it is, it is it's a job, but it's also very much a passion project for yeah. all of us. Absolutely. And so we as individuals are all very much invested in our local communities. And so even if there's not a, a dedicated adventure cycling 
event happening that you'll probably find somebody who is a a tour leader who is putting on rides at a local bike shop um a local bike shop that is a corporate member that likes to do things on their own that may be off our radar but are part of our family sure yeah all right awesome well caroline thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today about doing crazy things with little forethought (laughs) (laughs) and finding french bakers in the wood woods um and we look forward to seeing what adventure cyclist has yet to come yeah thank you so much maggie it was uh such a joy to talk with you thank you for letting me nerd out about weird things that my imagination comes up with um and i really hope that you and all of your listeners like the magazine and they go to come yeah absolutely thank you so much have a good day you too This is an All Bodies on Bikes podcast powered by Feisty Media. The show is produced by Maggie and Marley and edited by the team at Feisty Media. Thanks for listening.